This episode of the Speak Up Sunderland podcast carries a trigger warning. We talk about attempted suicide, post-traumatic stress, substance abuse and mental health issues with people who have lived mental health experience. For support and guidance if you need it, there are a number of organisations and services available. You are not alone. Reach out and talk to somebody. At first I expected it, I was like, oh, if it helps one person, that's, that's fine. Like, if it just makes one person smile, that was all it was for. And then it was like, people started contacting us, what you've saved in my life, and it, it was amazing. And if we can get people talking about these kind of things and getting help from the right people, we will save so many people and so many lives. It was just to, like, make someone think when they're on the bridge, um, just know that you are worth more than what you want to do and um, just to carry on. I'm Betty Ball. I'm Stevie B. He's a Mackham. And she's from South Shields. And this is... Speak Up Sunderland. That's the best impression of Stevie I've ever heard. Was it convincing? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you just need to be follically challenged in a beer belly and you're, you're it. <laughs> You're it, so nice to Stevie. I love Stevie. I'm like <laughs> class favourite human of Stevie. This is Jay. Hello. Hi. I'm the producer. Yeah. Stevie's not here, so yeah, Jay's in. We miss Stevie. We do. You're really quiet, by the way. Am I quiet? Yeah. Oh, I am. Look at that. I was. I'm sorry. See, First time me. in your life you've been quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I love working with Betty for this reason. <laughs> So the last live event we did was last week. Yeah. And uh, this live event is going to be split over this episode and the next. Mm-hmm. But this was all done by the fabulous Katie Baggett, though. It was. And she herself is a Sunderland, well, a University of Sunderland student. And this was all part of her dissertation. And Speak Up Sunderland took a great interest in it because it's so relevant and it's so real. And Katie's project, SOS, uh, Sunderland Opinion and Stories, it's so aligned with what we're doing mm-hmm. and how it's about talking about and highlighting voices that are important and are making a big change and a big impact in the city of Sunderland mm-hmm. for positive means. Was. And I feel like that Speak Up Sunderland Live was so successful in many levels, not just the amount of people there, but the information that was brought out and shared to people was fantastic. It was it was a canny, canny deep discussion. Like. Mm. Really does get you in the feels. I mean, there's some amazing people in Sunderland, and so young as well. I mean, how old how old was Paige? Paige was eighteen. That's young, and to have such a powerful influence was quite astounding. Her parents must be so proud. Paige's story is the main focus of this week's episode. Oh, that's good. So it's the second in our Stars of Sunderland series that the lovely journalist James Barker is making with us. And he's, he's a, a good egg too, he's a I like babe. Him. He is. Why are you always talking about eggs these days? I like eggs. Is it because it's Easter? Well, how was Easter? Did you have a good Easter? Yeah. I ate a lot of chocolate. Yeah, me Vegan too. chocolate. I ate loads of chocolate, but you know what it is? I had chocolate for like breakfast, lunch and dinner, and I didn't feel guilty Very until healthy. I put me on the scales and went oh hell no we're going to start this week with Paige and with Katie it's like the baseline of the project and include uh, James Barker's Stars of Sunderland episode as part of it and then next week 
it's going to be Claire and the poetry by uh, by Adam O'Wellen and by Hester Dowling. Oh, Hester's in it, is she? Hester's in it. That poetry back in episode one that I've been waiting for a good time to fit in somewhere. It works so well with this next episode. Oh, that's good. Episode. The, the, the characters of Sunderland, Hester is definitely one of them. And I'm very proud to say she is definitely one of my new friends from Being Speak Up Sunderland. We love you. And Adam as well. He one powerful human. So we're going to begin with the second Stars of Sunderland episode with the lovely James Barker. My name is James Barker and this is Stars of Sunderland and we try to find truly inspirational people here in the city and I don't think you're going to be disappointed this month. Paige Hunter is just 19 and is from Plains Farm. Last year she started to put inspirational messages up along Wearmouth Ridge in the city in a hope that it would make people think twice about suicide. I met Paige on the bridge where it all started. So I make plans but then sometimes I get the same feelings um, but then I just keep looking over what I've done and I'm like, and I, right I've done that, like I need to just carry on, keep going. Yeah, so I suffered a trauma when I was 14, um, that was assault and I, I had post-traumatic stress and depression of it. And on this day I was dealing with like at least 40 flashbacks in the, on, on that day and I just couldn't cope with it anymore. I, I felt like I was alone and I was just a burden and it, that was the first place I thought of. Yeah, so I started the note in July 2018 and I was inspired because um, I myself was on the bridge. And there was two men that got out of the car and they told us that I was worth so much more than what I wanted to do. And it changed my mind and I actually climbed over the other side. And I thought, if them words could change my mind, who else is good to change? Um, so I just wanted them to go away. I didn't want them to stop us. Um, and they were talking to us and um, it was... The words weren't really going through my head, it was just like, just can you just back off? But um, I, I did hate them in that moment, but now um, I'm glad they've done it. Well, it's just to like, make someone think when they're on the bridge, um, just know that you are worth more than what you want to do, and um, just to carry on. Uh, the first one was um, Step Back, You're Loved. Yeah, well at first I was just like, if it helps one person, that's all that matters. And I just carried on, I was like overwhelmed. Yeah, it's been amazing, um, so I got loads of messages to say that um, the notes have actually helped 19 people. Not just ones that wanted to be on the bridge, but also ones that seen the messages on Facebook and they stopped whatever they wanted to do, so it's been amazing. I wonder if it's okay if we uh, take a wander across the bridge just to have another chat? Yeah, definitely. Whereabouts in Sunderland are you from? Uh, Plains Farm. So what got you down to the actual bridge? Was it uh, just the nearest one, the most convenient? or? 
it was the most nervous one and um, it was about three o'clock in the morning and I snuck out the house and it's just the first place I walked to. So as we walk across, there's plenty of traffic piling up uh, due to the roadworks just off the bridge. I take it at three o'clock in the morning there was very little if not yeah, nothing? Not really, it was like one car like every ten minutes. So we're now actually on the bridge itself walking across and if we just come up towards the uh, guardrail here we can still see string attached to uh, each of the railings where there was once messages uh, placed on there they've since been removed is that correct yeah how does that make you feel that um, those messages have actually gone now uh, it's sad just because like the, you see loads of people on the bridge all the time and it's like if them not were there like they might be able to help them but um I was told that I had to keep it down just because I'd made it a spot. But some of the messages that were on there were just heartfelt and just spoke to individuals to make them think about what they were doing. And as you say, there was 19 people that have got back in touch with you to say that it has actually changed though, their perception of how to go forward. How does that make you feel that to know that your intention was just to help one person but there was more than 19 people that actually uh, read them. I can't even explain it because it's just overwhelming. It's like messages, like I got a message there where a dad sent his two kids and he was like, because of you, I'm celebrating Christmas with my two kids. And it just, it broke my heart. And it just makes you like, just cry and it's just like an overwhelming. <laughs> so if we walk a bit further across so that we actually reach the, uh, the bridge itself, so you were sandwiched between the Wearside Bridge and the Metro line. Now if we just pause here, there's a, a, a plaque just placed on the bridge here, which obviously has the Samaritans helpline um, placed on there. Now at that time, was this plaque here? Uh, yeah, it was, but um, because of the colour, it just blends in with the bridge. You don't really get to see it that much, whereas like the notes were like they're there, they weren't. You've never seen them before and it was just more likely to read. That's it, I mean, it's it's green on green. and um, But if you'd seen that at the time, would you have rang the Samaritans or any other helpline like that? Or Probably what was going on? No? No. So what's changed from page then to page now? Um, back then I was a lot more um, anxious, like being on a phone, it just, it wasn't something I wanted to do, but now, with like the stuff I've done, it's brought out myself, me, me confidence. And um, now, if I need to ring them, I'd ring them. So it's it's actually really helped us me a lot. Now you, you've gone on to college now and you're studying. And I take it it's a, another helping role that you're you're actually studying for. Uh, yeah. So studying to do mental health. Um, want to be like a um, mental health worker. So as we walk. A little bit further across the bridge we're getting into the center of it now what's been the reaction when you've because you've met with the police and what's been their reaction to the messages and the thoughts behind what you did um, they were actually really proud um, that somebody like took the initiative to raise their awareness on the bridge and I understand that um, you get contacted on social media as well from people who felt inspired by the actions that you've taken. What were the, some of the messages that you've received? Um, just that 
I'm proud of you. Like you've you've helped me so much, even though we're not even in the same country. Um, just all positive. It's just. <laughs> and it just shows that just one person doing something, no matter of how old they are or what background they have, can make a difference to people's lives. Yeah, definitely. Do you hope that the council would do something more for mental health? Yeah, definitely, especially on the bridge because every day I think I see someone that's been on the bridge um, and it's getting more it's getting more occurring at the moment and I think it definitely should be supported. The whole thing about Speak Up Sunderland and the stars of Sunderland is highlighting the individual efforts of people who work within the community to do something for their community to say that they are Mac and Proud. Are you Mac and Proud to be part of Sunderland and doing something to help others. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I am definitely Mac and Proud. <laughs>
stigma and discrimination surrounding mental health and the media representations like in TV. So her job is like a media kind of campaigner and she helps soaps like EastEnders and Corrie that you'd watch like on a night portray different mental health illnesses on the TV. Are you surprised at the amount of organisations that's out there or do you think there's not enough? Looking into it as kind of a big project, I found that there's loads of people like willing to talk about their stories and obviously that's the aim of the website, but I was quite surprised at how in-depth and open people were because obviously it can be a complex issue, but I found it not challenging, but it's complex and interesting, that's two words I'd use. So why is this so important to the people in Sunderland then, from all your research that you've been doing? Well, I want to say one in four people at any time can suffer from a mental illness, but I think there's loads of people with different stories, so you might not be diagnosed with a mental health illness or a problem, but I think we've all got our own stories to tell and everyone's got their own mental health and everyone's got a story to share. So... What have you learned then? Because you must have had a base of what you thought you knew and now you're so far into your project. What's changed? I think, again, like the openness of actually people wanting to talk about mental health and people are finding that there is still stigma, even though it's improved. A lot of people are talking about it more, especially in Sunderland. There's loads of mental health organisations and charities that are there to create awareness and I think the whole ethos of this website is to get people's stories out there. That's kind of what I wanted to do from like October last year because it's been eight, nine month project. Probably took over your life really, hasn't it? Yeah. But you are still a student as well, so how have you managed doing a degree at the University of Sunderland and this at the same time? Um, still sleep, still eat. I'm pleased. Still talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm pleased. Um, it's something that I've always had a passion about. It's something that I wanted to do this year and I just got on and got it done. Shall we bring Paige on yeah? Why aye. She did the notes on the weir uh, last year and I personally thought it was just a really good thing that you did and I was like ooh Sunderland. I was like ooh make the connection. Yes <laughs> Paige you go girl. Do you want to tell us how you and Katie got in touch? She contacted us on Facebook asked if I wanted to come along and speak. So it literally, literally was just a Facebook message. But yeah. when you did what you did, did you expect the impact that came along with it? Uh, definitely not. Um, at first it was just to like help one person and then it just kept going on and then news got hold of it and it was just it just exploded literally. At first I expected it. I was like, oh, if it helps one person, that's, that's fine. Like if it just makes one person smile, that was all it was for. And then it was like people started contacting us, what you've saved in my life, and it, it was amazing. I was going to say, that's, like you say, it's almost that saying, is it, plant the seed and just watch it grow. That's yeah. literally what happened. Yeah. That is amazing. But like you say, even you saying that you know what, what people are going through, that mentality to go, right, I know what it feels like. I'm going to try and make somebody else better. That in itself is absolutely outstanding because some people can't get out of the, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm yeah. stuck in this awful chain. You had the strength to come out and go, right okay, if I feel like this, other people must feel like this. How am I going to help? And what a unique way of doing stuff. So why the Weir Mouth Bridge? Why they? Um, so at 14-year-old, I was assaulted. Um, and this left us feeling, like, hopeless. Um, I felt like I couldn't go on anymore. Um, and at the age of 14, you, I was suicidal. And it wasn't a thing that you could, like, talk. I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone because... What well, 14-year-old is suicidal. Um, and I kept these thoughts in for 
I think it was two, yeah. And then one day, it just, it all got too much, and I suffered with post-traumatic stress. And I had uh, 30 flashbacks in that day. Um, and what happens in a flashback feels like it's happening again. It feels like your trauma, all the sensations, um, it's just all coming back, and it's, I couldn't cope. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, I went to the bridge, and I thought that that was going to be the end. Um, but two two men got out the van and they told us that I was worth so much more. And then the police came and tied us to the bridge and then took us to hospital. And then I f that day I was like, I want to do something similar. If those words could change my mind, who else is going to change? Oh, I'm You deserve that round of applause. One, the, the fact that you've been through, but to, to, to stand up in front of people and tell us how you've gone through it as well is... The problem we have with mental health is you hear about it. Or you hear that a friend's got about it and you kind of dodge around it. Or you, I know he needs help, but uh, I'll just do this first. I'll just do that. And then you forget about it. Then and it, nothing happens. And I think mental health, you need to bring the walls down. You need to bring the barriers down. And, and you don't need to help a friend. You can help a stranger. You can find out there's, there's all these these organizations that's on our doorsteps just get involved you can't physically touch it or see it or feel it it's it's inside i think that's another thing people are so great at putting on a show mm. but like you say you could be the happiest person in the world outside and as soon as you go inside you just go it's something you need to figure out you have to know somebody to know if they're happy or sad and I think that's a big barrier, but doing something what Katie's doing and doing what you've done, that helps break those those walls down. And as you can tell, the impact that you've had by just saying put all those messages on the Weymouth Bridge has been astronomical. And what a simple and amazing way of doing it. Paige, do you know what stories have you heard since since you've done this? Have you had any um, so, stories that's come um, out of it? I've, got, I've had 19 messages to say I've saved their lives. Wow. wow. Awesome. That's wow. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Parents must be buzzing. <laughs> proud right there, I can say, very proud. Um, one message that stuck to my mind was, um, it was Christmas Day and he texted me and he sent us a picture of his two kids um, unwrapping the presents and he said, um, if it wasn't for you, that I wouldn't have seen my kids opening my presents and it just touched my heart. <laughs> First of all, I think you two girls are absolutely tremendous, inspirational, because as you say, this is still a very taboo subject. This is Lee Milburn. He's been to three out of the four live events at the Peacock so far and is a good friend of War Stevie B. I finally flipped my cake and landed chocolate side down 18 months ago uh, and just ended up as a, as a gibbering mess in a heap and didn't didn't do anything apart from sleep for months and months and months. But you're still but here, Lee? Yeah, you're still here? I stay there. Yep, I'm still here. And but you're still, over, and you're over over those last 18 months, eight shrinks, six psychiatric nurses, 10 peer support workers, six CPNs. Uh, I've been on 10 therapy groups through the Recovery College. I've really, really been through uh, an awful lot, and it's really, really helped. But the big one, and the, the, the biggest issue for me is people are still too scared to talk about it. And a good example of that is... When I started getting my therapy, I was going to be off work every Monday for uh, quite some considerable amount of time. So 
I approached my boss and said, look, I want to take this opportunity to put an email out to say, I ain't going to be here on a, on a Monday, and this is why, and give a little bit insight of mental health and the mental health problems that people have and how people bottle it up. So I wrote an email and I sent my boss, I said, is that okay? He said, yeah, go with it. Off it went. And within 10 minutes, I kid you not, there's a beautiful lady working in another section, came running up to us in floods of tears. Because at work, I was uh, a bit of a happy-go-lucky Jack the Lad kind of, never-ever-sad kind of person. And she said, if you've got the bottle to put something like that out, then someone like me has got the bottle to go and seek help. And she did. And she kept us in the loop with what she did. And she's now in recovery and she's doing very, very well. And I had a couple more messages, like your very good self, Paige, where I'd help people. And I wouldn't say I'm coming to the end of my journey, but I can say light. To which end, I've just started a, a peer support course, which will um, eventually give me entry-level qualification into the NHS to be a peer support worker. Because out of all the people I've seen, peer support is the biggest, by far, the biggest help for people with mental health problems. Why? Because those people have been there. It's all right for a shrink who's read books and opinions. He ain't got a clue. He really hasn't. Yeah, he's got an informed opinion about this, that and the other and drugs at X, Y, Z. But he ain't got a clue. But your peer support workers that have come out of the other side, they are the guys with the real, real knowledge. I'd just like to finish instead of boring you only more uh, by saying I think you two guys are absolutely inspirational and the big the biggest biggest thing I'd say to you with your website as well as getting people's stories out there is to get the message across that it's all right to speak out that's the important thing we've got to get the message out to people it's all right to be yourself you might be lying there a heap on the ground right it's all right to be yourself you don't have to be anybody else you've just got to say right this is me I accept it. The public face is off now. What am I going to do to sort me out? And if we can get people talking about these kind of things and getting help from the right people, we will save so many people and so many lives. Nice one. Oh, Andrea? Andrea Bell from A-Line Properties. Can I just say, it's absolutely admirable to see two young ladies who've got the courage to speak out. You're still young. You've got experience behind you in personal and in educational. It's just absolutely wonderful because your age group prefers to listen to your age group. We're all old fuddy-duddies and we don't, we don't get it and we don't understand. So for two young people to stand up there and be an ambassador for your own age group, honestly, bravo. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, just to say uh, one last thing. That email that went out, um, yeah, it brought in a good message. But it also brought in quite a few haters as well. And there were a lot of people who, I wouldn't say turned against us, but talked about us, gave us different nicknames. So, yeah, it's great to talk about it, but be prepared to have the other side as well. Because it ain't going to be plain sailing, but that's just life, isn't it? Drink, you get a hangover. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
on social media. I think you've got to be prepared for the ups and the downs of all this sort of stuff, isn't it? And take a little bit of a knock with a, a compliment. So I think obviously social media, again, in your situation, has a lot to answer for. So at least you're getting out there, having the courage to say, I'm, I'm going to either tell everybody about it or I'm going to educate people about it or I'm going to tell the world about it. So to be honest, you just, I'm just chuffed a bit to even be sitting watching the two of you. I shall watch you grow. Yeah, I've got a question. Um, Adam Orwellen there. We featured his poetry back in episode 18 and he has lived mental health experiences himself. That we will touch on next week. Obviously, since you've started to be honest about uh, your experience, it's given people courage to open up about theirs. But have you found that learning about other people's experiences has kind of made you uh, feel differently about your own experience? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I got so many messages of people saying that um, because of like you sharing your story, um, it's helped me open up. And it, you get so many like of these stories while you're reading them, and it's they're so like hard. And then it's just you read them, it just makes you want to like carry on just to help those people. Do these do these questions upset you? Uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> just wondered if you can, you know, brush over them, or whether you actually get broken down yourself when you when you're sort of taking on other people's problems uh, just sometimes definitely i don't think i don't think anybody of any age can can deal with everything so you're doing really well can i just add as well something this literally just popped into my head as well it's it's not there's a lot of people who i would call like the silent people who are suffering them who think they're okay i think i've probably been through through some things with with mental health i know for a fact i can probably pinpoint certain parts in my life where i thought i struggled i remember <laughs> still jokes me <clears throat> I woke up on Christmas morning with not a penny in my pocket because I lost. I had a small business. My my, my wife had gone to Scotland with my son. I couldn't afford to buy presents for anybody. Um, but I'm I was I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy, and, and and I just carried on. But I told me I told me mate Lee a year afterwards, and the first thing he said was he says he says you stupid idiot. Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you pick up the phone? And this is exactly what we're talking about because you're you're, you're ashamed to do it. You think you're on the bottom. You think you're, you think everyone's there and you're down there somewhere. And I think this is we also need to remember the people who think they're doing all right who put on a brave front, but they're actually not. And there's thousands, there's thousands of people who do that. I'm trying to think about me and Steve went to school together. I'm trying to think of whom used to talk about mental health. You, you just I can't remember hearing about it. I can't remember anybody admitting to it. I can't. People just. But now, it's, especially with social media, there's a lot, isn't there? There's an awful lot of young people, even at school, suffering, you know, mental health issues, which is leading on to other things and other things. So I just think in the young, it's it's surprising how many people have mental health issues at a very young age. I think it's because everyone get their phone out of the pocket. Get the phone out of the pocket. Mm. That's why we've got everything in our pocket. We didn't have the access to everything. We didn't have Google. We didn't have internet. We didn't have everything there. I think we know it's going to sound too much and we'll get so complicated and overwhelmed and the next thing you know, we just don't know. Johnny, got your hand up. Johnny B. Well, just when you've been going about, you know, you've got your phone in your pockets and you're saying that's the reason why a lot of people have been having you know, mental health issues. I think it to... helps. Yeah. I've seen a different side to that. So I used to work in a secondary school as a cover teacher and the amount of kids that used to come to me as kind of a confidant and say so-and-so this is happening and I've said where's this happening thinking are they speaking to so-and-so have they been going to this kind of group are they going to this kind of group no 
it's all happened over Snapchat. It's all happened over Instagram or Facebook Messenger or Twitter or XYZ. And you might have these really small little apps that have came onto their phones that are causing absolute scenes in mental health issues. So I won't go into the ins and outs of it, but I had a situation where a kid had been in a relationship with another kid and said this XYZ to so-and-so, it's backfired and now it's rippled throughout an entire school of students. That kid's now being bullied and kind of honed in on for one action and it's causing an absolute nightmare for that child's mental health. I've had children come to me in floods of tears saying they don't know what to do, they can't go home, their parents have even turned on them and it's caused them to have this meltdown and we don't know what to do with it because combined with you know this social media outrage is they're going through puberty at the same time. Their hormones and their emotions, they don't know how to process or they haven't had to deal with this previously. So they've suddenly got this influx of negativity and emotions and they don't know what to do with it. And I'm, Paige, I assume that you were 14 when, when you went through this awful time. Did you really know what to do with that emotion? Uh, definitely not. Um, I didn't know who to turn to. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the problem that we were kind of having. I think that's a, an avenue that needs to be explored. Is there, you know, an opportunity for young children's or young adult rather mental health like kind of services? Because when we looked into it, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot that they could go to, and it fell on the pastoral team of the school. They are limited. We are taught as teachers. We are taught as educators, not as mental health providers so there's a, there's an avenue avenue there to be explored i think from like interviewing a couple of people i remember one um society called mind the gap that's based in the northeast and he was saying how the education system is quite arch- archaic obviously i'm not saying every education system is but the kind of problem is is people are taught like english math science in say primary school the needs to be health and well-being stuff like that taught because I think it's a generational thing. Um, a lot more young people are growing up with mental health issues and life is hard, but I think things need to change. There needs to be policies put in place where kids need to be taught about their own mental health and how to live a good, well kind of life. Certainly when I was at primary school, obviously it's just that kind of like key stage one, key stage two kind of thing, but I think things need to change and we need to kind of move with the times. I think social media is definitely something that's accelerating uh, the mental health problems that young people face, but I think it's really important not to look too simplistically at it. Like, it's not simply something that's causing all of these problems. It's like these kids live on the internet. They've got a whole life there. You know, so it's it, it's it's not just Snapchat. It's like it's all of their friendships and and their important relationships. Even you know, make believe friends, isn't it? Even their make believe friends or friends who aren't really friends who friends don't actually exist. But you know, it's friends you've got. But it comes down to I think again, like we need to be able to face the reality that we have problems. We need to be able to talk about them and share them. Like we can never share them with our family. Like that's just standard. Nobody can really share their, their problems with their family unless they've got a really good family, and that's rare. So we just kind of do whatever we can do to kind of make the feeling go away. It's why you get 
a lot of young people turn into drugs. You know, it's um. Is that a way out? Is it? It's not a way out, but what it is is it's a way to kill the time until the next moment. You know, so they can make they can make the pain go away temporarily, but because the problem's never actually been resolved, when the drugs run out, all they can do is either face their their problems, which they have no way of dealing with, or they can get high again. You know. Excuse me, can I just say I had a weird experience at Christmas. Not weird in something for me. My friend's son was an alcoholic for ten years. He was twenty eight. Well, he is twenty eight. And Christmas, I met him, and he was about to commit suicide. And he ended up in the mental health unit. Actually, I don't, it was Cherry Knoll. I don't know what it's called. Homewood. Homewood now. And um, to be honest with you, we spent all Christmas with him, but then we hit a brick wall. I know this sounds, the mental health, there's something a little bit missing, I felt. You can go to a certain stage, but then to get to a, another level, if you need that help, there seems to be a brick wall that you hit. So I actually think if some, obviously, platforms like this could come in, bring in more funding, bring a little bit more help, because I think you do hit a sort of brick wall at a certain level of, of your mental health state. So I think there needs to be more, more money ploughed into it. It was just the, uh, the fact is that society itself is very anti-mental um, health, and a lot of people in work actually pretend to have illnesses and they say that they're you know they've got flu rather than admit that they've got actual mental health problems and that whole kind of idea that you would rather say that than actually face the fact that at work or at school or wherever that you don't really want to admit that you've got a problem you don't want to admit that you might need extra help and I think that enabling people to feel that they can express their feelings and have a a, a place where you can discuss things without anyone judging you is extremely important. Hester Dowling, whose gripping poem about anxiety attack will be featured as part of the next podcast episode. How do you feel in yourself now? Do you feel you've do you feel a little bit better in yourself or do you think obviously everything that you've been everyone around you, your messages for support, does it make does it make you feel a little bit better about things or are you still struggling a little bit? Um, so with me having post-traumatic stress, um, I still struggle on a day-to-day basis. Um, I still get flashbacks daily, and sometimes I do find it hard to cope. Um, and I do fall into that despair again. But I'll go on Facebook and I'll read the messages of what people's left, and it just brings us back up again. You know, there's there's a group of us here. Um, just draw inspiration from how many people have actually said something there. It is something that people want to talk about. It is also an, an area people don't want to talk about. They find it difficult. But get inspired by the people who are happy to talk about it, who, who want to actually talk about it as well. And this is because people like you are doing something like that. So thank you very much for the Speak Up Sunday Live episode four. And if you want to find out a little bit more, you can go to Speak Up Sunday on Facebook and you can go on our Twitter, which is Speak Up Sun, and our Instagram at Speak Up Sun. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And please, if you know anyone who has a story to tell, get in contact with all those socials and we will get back to you as soon as possible. So if you fancy joining us for the next Speak Up Sunderland live episodes with Betty and Stevie at the helm, uh, when are we going to be in the Peacock on Wednesday evenings from 7 till 10pm to grab a drink and talk about things that affect Sunderland Betty Ball? Our next live events are May the 22nd and the 5th of June. So if this sounds like something you want to be involved in, grab a bevy and get yourself down. 
next episode, we're returning to the last Speak Up Sunderland Live with more from Katie Baggett behind the West West Sunderland opinion and stories, Claire Colthard from the Middlesbrough Mental Health charity Red Balloons and more live poetry on mental health from Sunderland-based poets Hester Dowling and Adam O'Wellen. Right, we're going to go grab some lunch. Yep, it's time to sight in the python and <laughs> feed the... Feed the 5,000 because, man, I am hungry. I cannot believe you have a python. That is news to me. Oh, okay. Well, thanks (laughs) for that. I hope you have a python. So I definitely don't. (laughs) Let's just leave it there. (laughs) Jay, how are you? I'm hungry. You're buying the food. Bye. Bye.